Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, home prices are at a record high, and yet sales continue to increase. What you need to know about navigating the red-hot real estate market, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Also this morning, the VA home loan program is one of the most valuable benefits available to those who have served, and there are some important facts about this low-cost mortgage benefit that are misunderstood. We'll set the record straight. And happening around town, if you can't read, not much else matters. There's still time to make a difference in Hancock Literacy's 2021 Literacy Campaign during the month of August. We'll get an update. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, August 26th, 2021. So today is National Dog Day. Uh, Also, National Women's Equality Day, which the reason that is today is it is the anniversary of the certification of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which guaranteed women the right to vote on this date in 1920. So Women's Equality Day. It is National Cherry Popsicle Day. Not just any popsicle. Got to have a cherry popsicle to get your, your tongue and your lips all red. Congressional Startup Day, it is Make Your Own Luck Day today, which I like that. You're going to make your own luck. Uh, Don't leave things to chance. Make your own luck today. Musical Yoga Day. (laughs) Musical Yoga Day. And National Toilet Paper Day, but that does not mean it is okay to go out and start hoarding it again. Reasons to celebrate today. So here is our question of the day. We posted this on Facebook just a moment ago as we came on the air. There is a new poll uh, asking teens what they consider to be the biggest threats to their generation. And the answers may not necessarily be what you would expect. For example, uh, climate change is something that is often reported as of great concern to today's young people. But in this poll, where they asked teens, what is the greatest threat to your generation? Climate change actually came in sixth. They view the greatest threat to be from political divisions in this country. Kind of interesting. We're curious, what issue would you believe that young people should be most concerned about? And sound off on that on our uh, Facebook page. We get to that is the uh, topic, by the way, of our daily download a little bit later on uh, this morning. And we get to the full results of the poll. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what you think. And uh, you can head to our Facebook page, the uh, WFIN Facebook page, and sound off on that this morning. And we'll kind of follow that throughout the throughout the day. Are you an extrovert, or are you more of an introverted person? Well, a new study finds that while extroverts may generally spend more time with others, introverts are actually better at understanding people in general. Researchers at Yale University found that introverts were better at answering questions about human behavior than extroverts were. Study co-author Anton Goldwitzer. Anton Goldwitzer. What a name. I think I've I think I found a new henceforth you can call me Anton Goldwitzer. <laughs> uh, he's the uh, co-author of the study. I'll use that as my ear name from now on. You can just call me Anton Goldwitzer. It says that it uh, could be the melancholic, introverted people are spending more time observing human nature than those who are busy interacting with others. Or they are more accurate at introspection because they have fewer motivational biases. Either way... The study demonstrates the unappreciated strength of introverts, he says. In other words, if you have spent a lot of time watching and wondering about others, you probably have a better-than-average understanding of the human mind. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started... So this afternoon, as you are at work, you're getting up, getting ready for your work day. Keep this in mind. There is 
I don't know, maybe it's food coma related or something. Maybe it's the realization that there's at least two hours more of work to go. But this study shows that the least productive time of the workday, the least productive time of the workday is precisely 2.55 p.m. And again, maybe it's food coma related because it's far enough after lunch that we're starting to, to get that that slowdown, that metabolic slowdown uh, after lunch. Maybe it's the sudden realization you look at the clock and say, man, we've got two more hours to go until 5 o'clock. Whatever the reason, 2.55 p.m., the least productive time of the day. Uh, let's see here. While you are still functional uh, at your at your keyboard, or you're f- still functional, your uh, cubicle, uh, 2.55 is the least productive time of the day. Um, the most productive time of the day... One thirty. I I don't know why, but that's uh, what they that's what they. Uh, I'm not sure where the uh, study comes from, but that's that's what it says here. Two fifty five, the least productive time of the day. One thirty, the most productive time of the day. How they uh, come up with that? Now that of course assumes that you are on a standard nine to five schedule. If you you know work a, a different time shift of the day then you can adjust that accordingly for your particular situation but there you go uh so in other words i guess if the boss comes up to you at 255 and says get busy you're being lazy you can just say hey it's not me it's just nature it's just just the way it is (coughs) excuse me I don't know. I'm looking at a couple of other uh, interesting stories here to uh, get your Thursday morning started. Researchers at the Martin Army Community Hospital in Georgia looked at uh, this was kind of an interesting uh, study, looked at how quickly female soldiers regained their fitness after giving birth. And they found that despite being very fit, Going into pregnancy, you would think, because, you know, they're military, very fit going in. And despite that, they found that uh, 30%, only 30% of participants were able to get the same fitness score as they had pre-pregnancy on the U.S. Army physical fitness test. Even one year after giving birth, it was only back to 30%. Uh, After three years, 75% of the women could match their pre-pregnancy score on the test. In particular, participants struggled with sit-ups after giving birth, likely due to the fact that abdominal muscles becoming weaker following pregnancy. The women also struggled with a two-mile run, but tended to do better on the push-up portion of the test. Researchers say, based on these results, it appears that getting back into shape after having a baby can be very challenging And again, this is not just psychological or it's not just something that some women struggle with. This is very nearly universal, according to this study. Based on these results, the researchers say, chest, shoulder, and upper arm strength is less likely to be adversely adversely affected by pregnancy than is the core abdominal uh, muscular structure. So... Anyway, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it's well been known that the getting back into shape after having a baby can be very challenging. And if you have experienced that or you know someone who has, don't feel bad because it's not just you. The, uh, according to the survey, according to this uh, study, the Martin Army Community Hospital in Georgia. Kind of interesting. And uh, finally, speaking of uh, health-related news, I thought this was kind of interesting as we are back into uh, back-to-school time and, and particularly speaking to uh, families with kids heading off to college, young people heading off to college for the first time. This year, even more 
than usual, it can be psychologically tough for these students. Experts at Northern Westchester Hospital uh, say that college students are particularly high risk right now for mental health issues. The chief of behavioral health at NWH, Dr. Richard Cantanzaro, uh, says that as students return to campus, it is important that they are monitored for their mental health by school officials, by parents. Keep an ear out, keep an eye out for signs of mental distress. And here's the reason, especially this year. Human beings are social animals, he says. So after this past year and an extended period of disconnection in our face-to-face interactions, we can expect college students to experience a steep increase in social anxiety and anxiety about navigating their new world. Uh, This echoes a July report for the Center for Reinventing Public Education that found that many students felt isolated and alienated from school, friends, and life. And here's the thinking, I believe. I mean, if I'm reading this right, the way I look at that, and I think it basically is what it's saying, is that kids have spent a year plus kind of in isolation and social isolation. And now not only are we suddenly getting back out there again, but they, these students who are off to college this year, nothing is normal like it was before. So not only is it a big change, it is a big change on top of a big change. You have the big change to social isolation, and then you go back to normal, but nothing is normal because it's that big change going to college and being off on your own for the first time. And that can be overwhelming. So while the rest of us kind of pick up where we left off, in a sense, we go back to work or school or whatever, for college students with a huge change in their life, um, getting back to normal is not getting back to normal. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it makes sense in my mind when I'm saying that. I don't know if I'm describing it right, but you kind of get the idea. So, again, uh, just something to uh, keep in mind for uh, parents of uh, college freshmen uh, who are heading to uh, school this fall. Be aware that there may be some mental health issues or struggles, um, social anxiety and such with your kids even more than normal. Uh, this uh, this fall. Kind of interesting stuff. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Partly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a high near 90. Blanchard Valley Health System is revising its visitation policies. Dr. Bill Coase, Vice President of Special Projects. We've gone from a number of people that were in the hospital to one or two during July that we were up last week to 23. We're in the mid-teens now. And so we think it's time to start to restrict visitors, mostly because of transmission, taking care of our patients as much as we can, but also with our staff. The new measures are in addition to mask requirements and health screenings at the door. He says response to visitor measures has been generally well-received. Overall, our community has just been great about this. We haven't had any problems. The biggest issue is our attempt to make sure that individuals are not bringing anything in. We have a link to the updated visitor policy at our website. An indictment has been handed up by the Hancock County Grand Jury in a 2017 murder. Dominique Blakely has been charged with complicity to aggravated murder in relation to the death of Brian McQuistian on November 25th of 2017. McQuistian was found shot to death in an apartment on East Folk Avenue in Findlay. Blakely, formerly of Finley, is serving time at the Marion Correctional Institution on an unrelated case. The investigation into the murder continues as it is believed another person was also involved. Two conservative hoaxers face a record $5.1 million fine for allegedly making illegal robocalls to wireless phones without the owner's consent in the 2020 election cycle. More from ONN's Daniel Barnett. 
The Federal Communications Commission says the proposed fine for Jacob Wohl, Jack Berkman, and Berkman's lobbying firm would be the largest ever for violating the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. The men already face criminal charges for allegedly organizing 85,000 robocalls that falsely warned people in predominantly black areas of Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and New York that information gleaned from mail-in ballots could lead to their arrest, debt collection, and forced vaccination. Daniel Barnett. ONN News. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, we know how hot the housing market has been of late. If you are considering selling to take advantage of the current market condition, you may be looking around your house wondering which renovations are worth your time and money and which are better off left undone. And joining us to help sort all of that out is real estate agent Nakia Pippian McGriff from the National Association of Realtors Leadership Summit in Chicago. And Nakia, now we know that the market has been red hot for a while now. There are some signs of it maybe cooling off a bit. What trends are you seeing right now, uh, both nationally and uh, here in our region? Um, Well, you definitely want to take a look at the data. Uh, It's a relative cooling, as I like to say. The market has been red hot. Uh, So again, I would encourage everyone to partner with your realtor and really dive into the data and in terms of your area, because every local market is different. It is a valid point that even if it cools a little bit, you're cooling off from a really, really high level. So, Absolutely. Is this maybe the craziest market you have ever seen? And, and how are you advising your clients when conditions are as historic as they have been here of late? This has been an absolute fun time, a very interesting time where uh, we haven't slept much, but, you know, (laughs) this is what we signed up for, right? (laughs) So the first thing I tell clients, if you're buyers, take a moment, partner with your realtor, make a list of your absolute must-haves versus your uh, wants, right? So your needs versus your wants, because that's really going to keep you focused as you navigate the home buying process. For my sellers, most places around the country, we really need your inventory. So I encourage you to reach out to a realtor so that you can actually get the appropriate pricing and see if now is the right time for you to uh, move into the next property. Yeah. So uh, again, on that selling side, the as we uh, said, uh, leading things off, the, the eternal question for sellers is which projects might add substantial value to the home and what is better left to the buyer? Is that different in a market as hot as this one has been where sometimes homes don't even last a week on the market? I mean, does that change the paradigm at all? I don't think so. I think when buyers walk in, we're still looking for a curb appeal, right? What's that wow factor when that buyer walks into your home? So if you're looking to sell and you want the top dollar, you should consider some of the renovations. And a couple of the top renovations uh, in our area and our and nationally as well are the full kitchen renovation. Yeah. Right. And if you can't do a full kitchen renovation, certainly look to upgrade that kitchen as you can. Bathrooms are very important, and of course, flooring. You know, if you have hardwood floors, uh, certainly look to refinish those. Again, think about how you felt as the current owner when you first walked into your property. So I think many times buyers are looking to for move-in ready properties. So again, I would encourage you to visit houselogic.com as an example to give you an idea of different price ranges for some of these projects we just mentioned. And of course, visit realtor.com to find your favorite realtor. Now, there, there is a train of thought that doing any kind of project might be a turnoff for buyers because your vision for the look and the function of your kitchen, for example, may be different from the person who will end up owning your home or the type of flooring that you would prefer may not be uh, what the what a buyer would prefer. How do you take into account the fact that you are not renovating for yourself, but for someone else? 
Yeah, that's where we dive into the data, and I'll point people to houselogic.com again, who's going to give you regional data based on uh, some of the polling that they've done in the area. So you're not, you don't have to go this alone. Again, you want to partner with your realtor. You want to look at data uh, at houselogic.com to kind of give you that guideline. We, again, are looking to help you maximize the price if you're wanting to sell. So we, as a realtor, will counsel you as to whether you want to do a full renovation or could you just do updates based on what's happening in today's market. So that's why it's so important that you engage your realtor early in the process so that we can help guide you as to what's best for your unique market. And I would imagine that's always a balancing act because uh, obviously a full renovation is going to take much more time than just uh, some upgrades here and there, which can certainly get your property onto the market much quicker. Again, and that would vary from one market to the next. Absolutely. And that's what the realtor is going to help you decide. You know, what's your timeline? If you have a little bit of time and you do you want to tackle that renovation? Uh, but if you have a, a very quick turnaround and you really just want to know what are some of the upgrades that can help you get the best price, again, your realtor partners with you to find out what your unique needs are as a seller. And conversely, on the buy side, we're doing the same thing. We're working with the buyers to see, hey, do they have a flexible timeline? Uh, are they very looking to move in very quickly? So again, we're trying to match make, right? Yeah. We're trying to get your home ready, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, for the right buyer. A- an example of why the insights of a real estate professional can be so valuable. And I would imagine that you know, compared to the way it used to be for someone in your profession, again, you've been doing this for a long time, uh, that's kind of the way the job has evolved. I mean, these days, you can get listings anywhere. That's the easy part. Uh, it- it's this kind of expertise that uh, a-, a website can't really give. Absolutely. We're more than just opening the doors. We're really your project coordinator. Uh, first and foremost, we're trying to remove as much stress from the process for you. Uh, and we're also coordinating with your lender. Some of the financial nuances that um, the consumers may not be aware of, those are things that we're focusing on. We're making sure you're using the appropriate legal uh, required documents in your area. So we're, again, your full real estate partner, and we're really managing this project for you all the way from the time that you list or the time that you buy up until your closing. Again, uh, real estate agent uh, Nakia Pippian-McGriff from the National Association of Realtors Leadership Summit in Chicago. You mentioned a couple of websites where folks can get more information if they are kind of dipping their toes in the water, as it were, thinking about this. Where do we guide folks? Let's mention those websites again. Two sites. To find your favorite realtor, go to realtor.com, review the reviews, look at the profiles, and interview a few. Uh, for project information, deciding which of those home improvement projects you want to tackle, on, uh, take a look at houselogic.com to review your regional data. So as we're talking today about navigating the historic real estate market, want to get into some important information for veterans because the VA home loan program is a very important, very valuable part of the benefit package for those who have served. And joining us this morning is Jeffrey London, Executive Director of VA Loan Home Loans. And uh, Jeffrey, before we get into all of that, first off, I want to take a couple of minutes and speak to veteran, existing veteran homeowners and their families who have been struggling over the course of the past year, who may be in danger of foreclosure due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And there are thousands of homes that fall into that category. What is the latest for those homeowners? Yeah, there's actually good news for those homeowners. Uh, VA has two programs available uh, to assist veterans and service members with VA loans who are facing financial difficulties as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The first program is a program to help veterans whose loan uh, was in forbearance um, under the CARES Act that Congress passed last year. So let's say a veteran missed uh, four or five uh, mortgage payments. Uh, Once they're ready to get back on their feet, they don't have to worry about paying a mortgage company back that money right away. VA will actually make those payments on behalf of the veteran Hmm. at 0% interest. And the veteran does not have to worry about paying back VA until they either sell the home or refinance the loan. So that's one way to take away the financial burden as a result of the pandemic. 
The second program is for veterans who may not be able to sustain their current mortgage payment. Um, and they need a deeper assistance to help reduce their current mortgage payment. And so VA can actually work with the mortgage company to reduce the unpaid principal balance of the loan, reduce the interest rate in the loan to make it more affordable. And we're targeting a 20% reduction in the mortgage payment for veterans who need that assistance. And similar to the first program, that's at 0% interest, and they do not have to worry about paying back VA until they sell the home or refinance the loan. So a lot of good news there. Now, how do those uh, who may be interested or in need of those programs uh, go about applying? What is the process there? Sure. My first piece of advice is to for veterans and service members to work with their mortgage company. So if they've received a letter or a phone call or an email from their mortgage company, do not ignore those notices. The companies are not there uh, to foreclose on your home and take your home away from you. They are actually well aware about these programs. They understand how they work. They know exactly uh, what they need to do um, to assist you. So that's my first piece of advice is to work with your mortgage company. However, if you feel uncomfortable or you just want to reach out to VA to verify information, you can always call VA directly at 877-827-3702, and a VA technician will be able to walk you through the process um, to ensure that you can get the assistance that you need. Okay, so now let's speak to veterans who may be looking to buy. What are the benefits of the VA loan program in comparison to not using it? Why should eligible candidates look into uh, using VA uh, as an option to finance? Well, I believe, Chris, that the VA home loan uh, loan is the best um, option for veterans and service members, bar none. First, there's no down payment required, and that's been the hallmark of the program since 1944 in the original GI Bill. Also, VA loans have the lowest interest rate in the entire mortgage industry. There's no uh, mortgage insurance, which can save the veteran upwards of two or $300 a month alone. Um, there's also low closing costs, and it's a lifetime benefit that can be used over and over again. Um, so I would definitely encourage anyone who served in the armed forces um, to look into their eligibility by calling VA at 877-827-3702. They can go to va.gov under housing assistance and get more information or talk to a lender or real estate agent that they trust because they can walk them through the process as well. Now, I, I know a significant concern that I have heard from veterans in this market, I mean, given how hot it has been, is that the VA loan process takes too long. With as hot as the market is, sellers don't want to wait the time that it typically takes for a VA buyer, and many feel that they are a, at a competitive disadvantage if they get into a bidding war for the home that they like. Like, what advice uh, can you give to somebody who has that concern in this particular market? Sure. Well, first, let me allay some of the concerns that veterans and service member members may have. First and foremost, VA loans close as fast as other loan products. We've invested a lot of resources and technology in streamlining our processes and working to make sure that the appraisal process runs very smoothly. So don't believe the myths out there. This is not your father's VA. Um, this is an extremely a streamlined and competitive um, process. And just However, to, there are some... And, sorry, no, sorry, just, no, I'm sorry. Just to interject there, that is a, a good statement for home sellers to take to heart as well, because I know, and again, I've heard this from uh, sellers in this market, that they don't want to consider an offer from a VA uh, client because they're worried that it will take uh, uh, too long of a time. So it's a myth on both sides, and I just want to interject that. Go ahead. No, I, no, I just want to pick up on your point. I believe that you know that is a call to action to our, our to sellers out there. And actually, I'll take it a step further. This is a way for sellers to actually honor our veterans and service members sure. for their service to their nation. Absolutely. Because the VA home loan is not a laborious process, you can actually give back to those who served us by actually selling your home um, because veterans, they, they can you know, compete just like any other buyer in the market. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. You were also going to say? Yeah, I, I was also going to say that, you know, one of the things that, you know, veterans should really consider is to work with a lender or a real estate agent that understands the VA home loan process. One, they'll be able to um, allay some of those concerns that sellers may have, and they can also um, navigate any potential hiccups they may have because they have experience 
and, and working um, with the VA home loan product. But the great news is we are experiencing um, record levels despite the competitive housing market. Yeah. Last year alone during the pandemic, we had a record year for purchase loans. And we're actually exceeding that level um, this year, even in today's market. Now, you mentioned that this is a lifetime benefit that can be used uh, multiple times. So this all may be old news for those who have gone through it before. But what advice or what tips can you share with first-time home buyers? Sure. Uh, the first thing, again, is to, is to choose a lender and real estate agent whom you trust um, and that has experience in the, in the, uh, the VA home loan process. Um, but I think the, the second thing that I would ask service members and veterans to do um, is to first get their certificate of eligibility. They can do so if they have an e-benefits account. They can go to ebenefits.gov and request their certificate on their own. But lenders can actually request the certificate on behalf of the veteran or service member. So the first tip that I would really give is to, is to really choose a real estate agent and a, and a lender um, that the veteran member or service member trusts. Are there any other issues, concerns, maybe myths or misperceptions that uh, veterans should be aware of uh, when considering using this particular benefit? Yeah, a lot of times I, I, I hear um, individuals have concerns about the VA appraisal process. Mm -hmm. um, and the good news is VA appraisals in some markets, including there in, in Ohio, actually uh, are done faster um, or, or on par with the private sector and other loan products. So I would really, you know, tell folks that don't think about the stories that you may have heard about, you know, 30 or more years ago. This is a different VA. Um, our processes are extremely streamlined and loans close as fast as other loan products. So don't believe the myths about the VA home loan program. Again, uh, Jeffrey London is executive director of VA loan uh, home loans uh, with us this morning. And you mentioned the resources that are available where veterans can get more information about this benefit. Where do we guide folks? Yes, the first place is on our website at va.gov. Search for housing assistance there on the page and they can get more information there. And they can always call VA directly I'm at 877-827-3702, and someone there in the home loan program will be able to assist them. Looking at the extended forecast into next week, the start of the Hancock County Fair on... Uh Wednesday of next week for opening day of the fair, it looks like uh, partly to mostly sunny and low 80s for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, I know it's, it's a long way off. Things can change. But as it looks right now, uh, it's going to be great weather for the Hancock County Fair. And in case you missed it earlier this week with the 2021 reboot of the Hancock County Fair right around the corner, we got a preview from Fair President Jeff Cole. How excited is everybody that you've talked to f to actually have a fair this year? I'd say probably two hundred percent over normally. Yeah. You know, yeah. Off I mean, the they charts. are. It's so it's so good to be back. Everybody's excited. To and back. and even the kids uh, with the livestock uh, exhibit because I know you did the judging last year right. and you you know had kind of a some semblance of normal for the kids right but it wasn't normal because there weren't the crowds they didn't get to see all the the people and right. it just was not the same right they had their had they had their men in in the ring right, right. and competed and uh, were able to uh, see how their project was judged against others so they did have that moment but uh, it wasn't the same just coming for a show and right. leaving that same day yeah um the big part of the fair for the kids is hanging out for the four or five or six days of the fair and, and all the energy that's around the rest of the fair. And it's one of those things that you don't realize, uh, you know, how much that means to you until you don't have it. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, so, yeah, right. everybody is excited uh, yeah. for the Hancock County Fair. Of course, we're going to be there and uh, we hope to see big crowds. Um, who knows? Maybe record setting crowds. I mean, you know, this is one of those sort of pent up demand right. to get out and do things. Right. So. Well, it'll at least be record setting for 20 2021 for sure right so yeah, yeah we're expecting big crowds we uh hear from the other fairs that have gone before us mm -hmm. that they've had great fairs yeah uh, and and the turnout has been really really good so we're expecting the same here so let's talk about logistics because there are a couple of new things the yes. biggest uh change this year over previous years uh is online ticketing that's right, and, and and it's the biggest change because it affects every fairgoer, right. right? So every fairgoer will will see that difference. Uh, 
at the gate. But what we'd really in- encourage you to do is get your tickets online uh, before arriving at the gate. You could, we've been selling tickets online since the first week of July. We have been selling tickets. I mean, honestly, we sold tickets yeah. the first week of July. Yeah. Uh, so the word is out, and the ticket sales are really ramping up, and as we expected it to as we got closer to the fair. But, but uh, yeah, do yourself a favor and go online and get your ticket before you get to the gate, and we should be able to scan you in and maybe not even have to slow you down a little bit. You just go right in. So. Yeah, that that's uh, one of the uh, main advantages, uh, obviously. Correct. It's a lot easier for folks. You can still get uh, season tickets uh, for the fair. Season tickets are available as well as daily entry, and then all of the tickets for the ticketed events, such as the tractor pulls and the concerts and so forth, where you pay the additional charge to get into those events. Mm-hmm. Those tickets are all available online. We're even selling wristband tickets those tickets can be then redeemed at the at the ride uh, booth and get your ride wristband so you can take care of all that online and you can find that link at our website hancockfairgrounds.org hancockfairgrounds is one word dot org and by the way uh, just uh, in case folks are wondering if you buy a single day admission ticket online that is good for any of those days so it would can, be good for any day that's yeah, correct so you don't have to know which day you're going to go you if you want to buy a single day that's admission clarity, you can Thank do you. that now yes. and then decide later right. um and and speaking of the schedule you mentioned uh, events uh, ride wristbands will be uh, available online which means the rides will be there the rides will be there in fact if you go buy on fishlock today you'll see some of the rides have arrived uh, and they will begin uh, setting those up i don't think they're going to start today but they are scheduled to start erecting those tomorrow start to see that going up and uh, a lot of entertainment is back this year a lot of entertainment so a lot of your favorites the tractor pulls the demo derbies uh the horse pulls which is always a big favorite cast scramble those are all back uh the donkey race and oh by the way i've got an out for you on that chris <laughs> I heard okay. I heard Bob challenging you to get up yes. on one of these donkeys. Yes. So I'll tell you what, you can't be a jockey if you're the MC of the event. So oh. boy, there you, you got an opportunity there. You just let me know <laughs> okay. on that. But, okay. But yeah, back to entertainment. And again, you can find our full schedule online if you go to HancockFairgrounds.org and mm-hmm. you click on the little arrow that says Fair Entertainment. Our whole schedule is there if you want to take a look at that. And then also uh, in this Saturday's paper, uh, The Courier, there will be an insert that will have a one-page um, view of our schedule as well, so you can take a look at that. But the big change to the entertainment lineup is that we will be having a concert on Saturday night. That's the first concert we've had in a decade, yeah. I think. Yeah. So bringing music back to the fair. Uh, we also still will have the Sunday uh, concert for um, uh, the gospel concert on Sunday. Right. But on Saturday will be the homegrown uh, concert with uh, Josh Melton, Kel- Jess Kelly Adams, and the Reunion Band. Yeah, Jess was uh, with us uh, last week on the. She's upgrade. great. And she's a she's a firecracker. Yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a great show. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. one not to be missed. It Absolutely. is, um, and a couple of uh, new things at the fair. Most notably, notably the uh, youth building. If people have been out to the fairgrounds, they may have seen that. That's, wow, that's what? right. That's what? right. It's really great building and we'll be uh we'll be dedicating that uh on tuesday so a week from today at six thirty, and so we'll be recognizing that we'll cut the ribbon on that building officially for its official use or at least the dedicated use that we put it up for uh and uh we'll be uh recognizing those donors those so many donors so i'm not going to mention any of them because i won't be able to cover them all <laughs> forget someone um, but we'll be doing that at six thirty on yeah. tuesday the 31st and then we'll go into opening ceremonies over in the old millstream center uh, where we'll cut the ribbon on the fair, grand opening of the fair. We'll hear from some dignitaries, and uh, then we'll go into the royalty um, uh, celebration at that point, and we'll crown the, the king and queen of the fair. Again, our conversation earlier this week with uh, Jeff Cole. So excited to have the Hancock County Fair back for 2021. It all begins a week from yesterday, Wednesday, uh, next week, the uh, Hancock County Fair through Labor Day, and we've got a link up at our webpage at uh, goodmornings.net, you want to hear uh, the uh, full interview with Jeff Cole from Tuesday uh, on the uh, program. Go to uh, uh, Tuesday's show and the podcast, and you can uh, hear the entire interview. Get the link for more details and get your online tickets to the Hancock County Fair. We will see you there, and it looks like the weather is going to be gorgeous for it. <laughs> We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. 
Now, I'll tell you, I have uh, heard some uh, people doing dumb things uh, before. That's kind of the point of the broken news. There are people doing dumb things. But this has to be one of the dumbest that, that I have ever heard. An entire storage unit in Herndon, Virginia, caught fire last week. And uh, <laughs> one storage unit caught fire and roasted uh, several others. Firefighters alerted to the blaze when someone just driving past the area saw the smoke rising in the distance and thought, hmm, that's that's probably not good. So uh, they uh, called the fire department after the blaze was brought under control. It was found that three units were heavily damaged. Estimated losses at one hundred sixty five thousand dollars. Thankfully, no one was physically injured. Uh, obviously, the same can't be si- said on the emotional side. Um, I think one of the units was holding some of Mima's precious heirlooms that are now you know, toasty. The source of the blaze, and this is where it gets really weird. The source of the blaze turned out to be unattended lit candles. In a storage unit, the candles were left too close to combustibles, as the uh, fire department's report put it. As of right now, it is unknown who lit the candles, closed the storage unit, and drove off thinking nothing bad would happen. Why would you... Why would you leave lit candles unattended in your storage unit? I don't get it. It's, uh, they also uh, place some blame on the owner of the storage unit facility itself. Uh, they may have some culpability as they did not have working smoke alarms uh, in the in the building. But you don't expect number one. You don't expect anybody to be living there. Certainly. And- and secondly, you probably don't expect people to leave lit candles in a storage unit. I just left shaking my head at that one. Sometimes you don't have to go too far to find the broken news. This out of Akron, Ohio, where one man shows a very public way to break up with his girlfriend at a minor league baseball game, the Akron Rubber Ducks game earlier this week. Officials confirm a man paid five bucks to put on the scoreboard (laughs) on the Jumbotron uh, during the seventh inning a message that said, Alyssa, this relationship is over. Tim. (laughs) A man named Tim put the message up. Alyssa, this relationship is over. Wow. I mean, I've heard of marriage proposals on the Jumbotron and all of that, but breakup messages. um, This quickly went viral on social media. The message was legitimate, but neither Tim or his assumed now ex-girlfriend Alyssa have been specifically identified. Neither of them has commented publicly. (laughs) Wow, that is brutal right there. That is... That is something. Hey, a follow-up to a broken news story we had a few days ago. Remember the uh, story in Maine about the giant rubber duck that uh, suddenly appeared at Belfast Harbor last week? Well, apparently, as mysteriously as it appeared, it has now disappeared. And locals are mourning the sudden disappearance of the giant rubber duck. The mysterious 25-foot Rubber Ducky, with the word joy written on its chest, appeared with a letter explaining that she was a girl duck and a gift from an anonymous Benequacker <laughs> who lived in the land of misfit toys. The letter says that the duck's purpose was to remind everyone of their commonalities amid an age of diversi- uh, divisiveness in the country. However, the letter did say that a joy... The rubber duck was scheduled to leave the harbor not long after she arrived since September is Maine's duck hunting season. (laughs) Um, But she hasn't entirely gone away. Since her departure from Belfast Harbor, uh, Joy has been spotted in the town of Islesboro, Maine. So apparently the duck is making the rounds. But still, it's a bit of a mystery as to where she came from or where she might be going next. From the international file this morning, a mom in England 
was very surprised when she went upstairs in her home to check on her young child. I don't know if you're a parent, you've probably had this moment where you suddenly realize that you haven't heard from your children lately and things are too quiet and maybe they might be getting into trouble. So you maybe should go and investigate. Well, that's what happened to this mom in England. She went to check on her young child and found that the kid had taken a pair of scissors. <laughs> she had got in mom's purse, got all of the money out, the cash money out of her mom's purse and took a pair of scissors to the money, cutting out the images of Queen Elizabeth's face to attach to the faces of her dolls. <laughs> oh my. Victoria Ingram uploaded photos of her daughter's creations to Facebook, noting she was highly amused by her daughter's decision, but she is now also broke. <laughs> Uh, one of her friends uh, has since set up a GoFundMe account to help replenish the lost funds that were destroyed by the child. The uh, GoFundMe quickly racked up uh, 125 pounds sterling, which uh, Ms. Ingram says she will donate to the children's ward at the uh, local hospital. So that's kind of sweet. But <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that would be that would be rough. So. Uh, wouldn't want to find out that your kid has cut up all your money. So you can place the faces on her dolls. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure what people are doing with this, but stores across the Philadelphia region, uh, Philadelphia region are reporting multiple three-foot-tall Snoop Dogg bobbleheads have been stolen. The bobble, Snoop Dogg bobbleheads. The thefts have been reported at local stores in Bucks County and Chester County. The miniature Snoop Dogg bobbleheads were being used as promotional displays for Corona beer in the stores, and they were valued at around $300. An investigation into the robberies is ongoing. Authorities say they are not sure if the robberies are all connected. So someone tries to sell you a Snoop Dogg bobblehead uh, on the street, then you can guess that it's probably hot. Approach with caution. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It certainly is that today. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height for all the action of Trojan football in 2021. We'll bring you every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. This is Coach Stephen Adams. Up next on Friday night, the Trojans battle the Yellow Jackets in Perrysburg. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. New Washington Post Ipsos poll asked more than 1,300 teenagers between the ages of 14 and 18 about what they consider to be the biggest threats to their generation. And the answers may not necessarily be what you would expect. For example, uh, while climate change is something that is often reported uh, as being of great concern to young people, that didn't even make the top five, came in sixth in this poll. What they viewed as the greatest threat to their generation, these teenagers, political divisions. 59% of those in the poll said that that was a major threat to their generation. 33% uh, considered a minor threat. Eight, only 8% 8 said that's not a threat at all. 59% uh, said it is a major threat, political divisions in this country. Following close behind with 57%, the cost of health care, racial discrimination, and gun violence. Uh, all in there at 57% of uh, responses. After that, 53% of teenagers, again 14 to 18, said terrorism. 53% uh, is the greatest threat. Uh, climate change cited by 49%, 34% said a lack of career opportunities, 
30% cited immigration as one of the biggest threats to their generation. And 28% uh, said access to education is, uh, is the greatest threat to their generation. Interestingly, as kind of a sidebar to all of this, the survey found that black, Asian, and Hispanic teens are actually more optimistic overall about their future than their white counterparts. So make of that what you will, but interesting results from the uh, Washington Post-Ipsos poll there. And we have it linked up, actually, on our webpage, uh, or on our Facebook page, rather, the WFIN Facebook page. We made that the uh, question of the day, uh, asking you, what do you think that young people should be most concerned about uh, their future? And uh, folks saying in various ways of, of putting it, uh, an erosion of personal rights, personal liberty. Uh, and I would think, yeah, that's probably something that maybe young people should be uh, concerned about, but not among the uh, top nine uh, on the poll. So you can check that out at our Facebook page and sound off with your thoughts. We mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, it is just a fact that if you can't read, there's not much else that matters. And uh, right now, the folks at Hancock Literacy are in the midst of the uh, 2021 literacy campaigns during the uh, month of August. And Shannon Anderson is here from Hancock Literacy. Shannon, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. This is uh, something that, uh, well, like we said, if you can't read, nothing really else matters. Right. If you think about from the time that you get up in the morning until you go to bed, how many times you read something, whether it's a text, an email, the news, your work, things at work. There's just so many things that you can't do. And so one of the things that we strive to do is we want to provide the resources and tools that our preschoolers need in their home Mm -hmm. so that they are ready to learn to read when they get to school. So we get them started early. And this is this is definitely one of those issues that uh, you early early intervention is is key to uh, eliminating functional illiteracy in Hancock County, which is a larger problem than maybe what most people realize. Right. So right now there's probably between 10 and 11,000 adults in our county that are functionally mm-hmm. illiterate, which means that they can't they don't have the literacy skills to make it from day to day. That's like 1 in 7. Yes. I mean, you look around in a room with seven people, one of those people probably uh, is functionally illiterate. They become very good at hiding it. They do. They can hide it very well. Mm-hmm. Um and to that end, you actually have programs that help those who are currently in that situation. I mean, we talk about intervention at the youngest ages, make sure that, you know, we're proactively making sure that kids can read so that they become the best version of themselves when they are adults. But for adults who are already in that situation, and it's not like we're closing the door, giving up on them. Correct. So we actually have a community that has lots of resources that are available. And so any adults that are looking for tutoring or assistance with their literacy skills, we have a program at the library called Read for Life. And I don't say we, I say our community. Uh, It's a library program. It's Read Mm -hmm. for Life. And they do adult tutoring completely free. They also do English as a second language and they do some other some other uh, tutoring as well. Yeah, we've uh, used the uh, use the uh, example if you were to go to a foreign country. Uh, where you don't speak the language, imagine trying to function on a day-to-day basis. When you look at a sign or you look at a newspaper or you, you know, whatever, and you have no idea what it says. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. Yeah, and the biggest thing is if you have a parent who can't read, then in return, they're not going to be reading with their kiddos as well, which is another downfall for their child. Talk about a... uh, 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 cycle. Uh, yes, uh, we're going to break that cycle. Yeah, breaking that cycle is uh, key and uh, enter Hancock Literacy. So there are a number of different ways that, that you do that. Uh, most notably, the one uh, program that everybody is familiar with is the Imagination Library. Yes, that is our largest program. That is our most expensive program. And so most of the funds that we raise do go towards that program. Mm-hmm. And so that program is for children in Hancock County, ages birth to age five, They can sign up for the program and they get one age-appropriate book mailed to their home every month at no cost to the family. And so we do all of our fundraising so that we can cover the cost of those books to keep it free for our families. So August is the month for the literacy campaign, and obviously we're coming up toward the end of August. Talk about the uh, things that you have been doing throughout the month and the ways in which you fund that program and others that you were involved in. 
Yeah, so we do a lot of our a lot of our funding does come from very generous people in our community, and so yeah. August is our annual campaign one, month where we do um, make a deliberate effort to go out and raise funds. So that is the whole month of August. We have lots of information on our Facebook. We're on LinkedIn and Instagram, and then we also have different ways that you can give on our website, which is HancockLiteracy.org. Hancock Literacy, by the way, is a nonprofit organization. Uh, it is, uh, you know, one hundred percent community supported. Um, it's not tax dollars. It's not uh, anything like so. And unless people step up, uh, these are programs that won't. It, but but they are uh, programs that pay dividends for for everyone. Absolutely. And if you talk to a lot of the educators in our community, they will tell you the importance of having the Imagination Library here yeah. in Hancock County. Yeah. Um, so how do folks uh, help out? I mean, what are some of the ways in which you uh, fundraise? Things yeah. Things going on. So we have volunteer opportunities, and right now with our annual campaign, we divided up our board and our volunteers into two different teams, so it's a little bit competitive here. <laughs> and we actually have a set of brothers who are on our board together, and they each are the team captain for each of the teams. And so we have Kyle Frisch and Curtis Frisch, and we actually have a, an internal competition going on between them two of whoever's team loses then they have to eat five hot wings with very, very <laughs> hot sauce. Very hot sauce. So okay. anyone interested, very you can get on our website. You can donate towards one of the teams or the other. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. But you can find <laughs> most of our information on our website. So that's a, an awful lot of fun. And again, uh, throughout the month of August, still some time to yes. uh, participate in uh, in that. You also have another uh, big, well, uh, not necessarily your big uh, event, but it is uh, through our sister stations, 100.5 WKXA and 106.3 the fox uh each year have a charity golf scramble it is coming up here in a couple of weeks and hancock literacy the beneficiary of that uh of the funds from that as well yes we are very excited this is year two um you guys we were the beneficiary last year and mm -hmm. we are just thankful for your support we're thankful for the golfers who come out and golf and it's really a fun day and we're looking forward to it so that is uh saturday september the 19th and uh there is more information on that i know at your uh, webpage yes. uh also at uh, the webpage of our sister stations we have it all linked up at our webpage still plenty plenty of time to uh, get signed up for the uh, charity golf scramble uh which is going to be an awful lot of fun great way to uh, raise some money uh, and for a great cause and have a lot of fun uh, at the same time let me get serious real quickly here uh as we're talking about all of this and as you said you know ten thousand uh functionally illiterate uh individuals in this community and we don't want to stigmatize those individuals but if if you or someone you know uh is struggling with this what is the what is the first step to getting help so if if they're comfortable they can reach out to us um mm -hmm. they all of our information, our phone number, our email is on our website, HancockLiteracy.org, and we will help them connect to the appropriate program in our community that fits their needs. So there's no shame in it. It won't be public information. We yeah. will pass you along, and we will get you the help that you need. This can be something that is uh, difficult to approach someone uh, on. How, how, do we, how do we do that? I mean, how do you go to dad or grandpa or your next-door neighbor, your best friend, and say, you know, do you have a, a, a problem? I mean, that's a tough Tough yeah, that's to a tough have. conversation to have, yeah. I think. And I, honestly, I think it has to be the person has to be willing. They, they yeah. have to be willing to accept that conversation. They have to be willing to take steps forward to mm -hmm. improve their skills. And, um, you know, anytime someone needs that, I, I'd be happy to talk to them. We have uh, people at the library and Read for Life that would be happy to talk to them as, as well. you mentioned, so much of it comes down to stigma and breaking the, uh, the stigma of this. It's, you know, it's a reality for thousands of people in the community and perhaps millions of people in the country. So, you know, again, you're not alone. It may seem like you are. Right. But right. And that, that's why the Imagination Library program is so important, because there's so much research out there that shows that just having books in the home can mm -hmm. be the biggest predictor in a child's educational level and how they turn out as an adult. So our goal is just to get as many books into the home of the kids in Hancock County as we can. And how do folks sign uh, kids up for the Imagination uh, So that is also on our website. You can even just Google Dolly Parton's Imagination Library Program. It'll take you to her website where you can locate our program. 
you sign up, I will approve you and you're good to go. There you go. Simple as that. Again, we've got it all linked up at our webpage in goodmornings.net. Again, the Hancock Literacy 2021 Literacy Campaign going on through the month of August. Don't forget the Charity Golf Scramble coming up September 19th. Go to goodmornings.net for more. And Shannon Anderson, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, a preview week number two of the high school football season. Trojans off to a good start under the leadership of new head coach Stefan Adams. And, of course, more recipes to finish up the week from Kyra's Kitchen. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.